Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Yeah, come on. I just hope we can win a game. Come on. Dropping stats over beats is the fantasy freestyle. Always coming with the heel is the fantasy freestyle. We got strong takes and tips is the fantasy freestyle. You win championships at the fantasy freestyle. Dropping stats over beats is the fantasy freestyle. Always coming with the heat is the fantasy freestyle. We got strong takes and tips at the fantasy freestyle. You win championships you win with that fantasy freestyle. You already know what it is. It's your boy Rocks. It's your boy Speeds dropping stats over beats. It's the Fantasy Freestyle Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Rocks and Speeds, we're going to be holding you down in that little interim first week, Rocks, in about four and a half months where there is no football. What are we going to do? It's a really, really sad, sad, sad weekend coming up. But what I will say is that every single time me and Speeds get together to give you what you need to win your league and win that cash, it's essentially a skills competition. I'm flexing here live in Astoria, Queens. My man is up in Washington Heights flexing on him. And we're going to give you some stuff to keep you focused on the prize ahead. And whether that may be some news and notes from baseball or whether it's making sure you really took home everything you needed to know from the football season this year to get yourself ready for next year's draft. We got you. Yo, Speeds, give me a ballpark about how long until pitchers and catchers report. Right around Valentine's Day. But um, check it out. One person, unfortunately, the uh, Fantasy Freestyle, we need to give rest in peace, pour a little bit out. Your Donnie Ventura rocks. You mentioned me doing the baseball and football at the same time. Tragically, over the weekend, killed in a car accident in the Dominican Republic. And he's not alone. Also, Andy Martin a third baseman uh, utility guy also in a separate car crash killed in the Dominican Republic you also remember uh, like a year and a half ago Oscar Tavares also killed in yep, a car Cardinals prospect in the Dominican Republic so many going on and, and we were talking about it before Roger Donnie Ventura he of the 100 mile an hour fastball but um, a sorted pass you know the electric stuff but also um, triggered a few bench bench clearing brawls Yeah, he was definitely someone that you got a sense uh, was really having trouble maybe controlling his emotions, but played with so much passion. He was a sort of player that you could tell that his teammates really, really liked. But sometimes, you know, maybe he might have someone pulling him aside in the dugout and saying, man, you can't really be doing that. No, Still the, Kansas though- City, the Kansas City Royals definitely wrapped their arms around him. I mean, this is a guy who drilled Manny Machado, Adam Eaton, uh, Mike Trout, and others to, to start brawls. But you're right, the Kansas City Royals, like, you know, kind of really cared about him. Assistant general manager said that, uh, you know, this hurts him so much because they were working with this kid. But I will say, James, like, this kid with 38, 39 wins over the three seasons, when he was there, that is when the Royals went to the playoffs, even winning the World Series. Remember him, game six of the World Series, pitching seven shutout innings. Yeah, that's that's obviously going to go down as, as the best start in his short career. And, you know, he put up great numbers in, in the 2014 season, took a couple steps back in the years following that. But he was definitely still someone who was young in his mid, you know, mid-20s, had, had plenty of time to figure it out and really see if he could have developed into that consistent 
consistent top of the rotation starter. So our heart goes out to his family. Uh, you know, pending the toxicology report, it'll be really interesting to see whether or not his family gets the rest of the guaranteed money on his contract. As it seems like it's a standard clause written in that you know, if you happen to die as a result of a car accident or any other accident where you may be intoxicated, and we obviously don't know that yet, uh, if the contract does not pay out. So for the sake of his family, I certainly hope that uh, that that it was just a terrible accident. And one thing I did notice when he was back in his native Dominican, he always did go and spend time and coach with his youth team. So it seemed like he was someone who was really into giving back during the offseason. And our heart certainly goes out to his royal family and his family out in the Dominican. No doubt, no doubt. It makes me also think, Rox, as I mentioned before, there was... Um you know, a lot of Latin ball players, and, and all the times that we're talking about them or remembering them, we talk about this passion, this enthusiasm, this giving back, this joy kind of that they play the game with. And it makes me also think, man, about these unwritten rules of baseball. You know, um, some of the things like that guys like Yasiel Puig, uh, you know, get kind of, uh, kind of, kind of talk smack about, and also things like the bat flip of Joey Batista and things like that, you know, but yet. Uh, I saw Manny Ramirez last week in Taiwan hit his hit another home run out there. He's out there playing in Taiwan, and 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 that's just Manny being Manny. That's the that's the incredible, excitable joy. And they also flip their bats out there in in the in the far in the far east in the Pacific. You know. So here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking, Rox. There is the World Baseball Classic coming up. In March. In March. You know how, like, it used to be the All-Star game? It was like, this time it counts for home field advantage. I think the World Baseball Classic should be for the unwritten rules of baseball. So if the Dominican team wins the World Baseball Classic, then the global world has to adopt the cultural elements of the Dominican baseball game. And then, like, we're going to see all sorts of uh, interesting things. And if it's the Japanese team, it'll be all sorts of other things. So we'll go to, like, a six-man rotation if if, if Japan wins? We'll have the nets up in the stadiums, you know what I'm saying? We'll have the the thunder sticks everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I think we we should do. That's the, the one way to settle the unwritten rules of baseball. This time, it counts. WBC style, what do you think? Uh, it's an interesting idea, certainly. I, I do think that, though, a lot of times the WBC is an is an opportunity for, for teams to maybe show off the supremacy of the way that they, not only just the talent that they have, but the way that they treat the game. The way they it's, play, you know, right? Yeah. Having, having pitchers throw 300 yep. pitches a day or whatever like they do in Japan. Or, or, or bunting, maybe bunting guys across, over, things of that nature, the, 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 the finer points of the game, how they manage their teams, for sure. But I, I do think, though, that you know the, some of the exuberance that you talked about and, and the obvious love for the game, you know, speaking of Manny in his in his mid forties, still playing out of, out of baseball for He's playing for the love right now, and I yeah. think that that's something that's something you can't diminish. And a lot of times, I feel like it's construed as showing someone up or, or trying to big dog it, but really, it's like you know, it, it's a sort of thing that we take for granted in sports like football, where you know, you spike the football, you maybe do a little dance. You're not showing up your opponent. You're celebrating all those hours you practiced, all those years. You know, you you, you were playing. You were trying to hope to get an opportunity in the major league. So, you know, I, I may be a, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a younger guy than some of these people in the, uh, you know, the, the baseball writers out there that are voting on the Hall of Fame and, and all that stuff. So it, it's never really bothered me. And, you know, Speed, just just going back, you know, 25 years, people hated Ken Griffey Jr. because he lost hat backwards. Ken Griffey Jr., I think we can all agree, was a complete class act. But the fact that he had the nerve to wear his hat backwards, violating one of the unwritten rules of which way the brim was supposed to face, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Yep. And I think it's just part of the way that our country and 
and our world continues to evolve and we continue to accept viewpoints that maybe veer a little further from the traditional that we grew up uh, knowing. No doubt, no doubt. Let's keep it moving, though. Uh, you know, despite the fact that there is no football this week, we all getting geared up for Super Bowl 51, the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots. Right now, the Patriots are minus three. I want to uh, go over, obviously, these guys are going to play in the Super Bowl, but interesting to see that all week, Julio Jones will not practice. They're going to manage his rep because of those foots, and if, you know, because of his foot injuries, those ligament injuries, he's dealing with a lot of pain, but I'll tell you what, sign me up for having to deal with that much pain and putting forth that kind of performance that he put forth in the NFC Championship. Also, very interesting to see Alex Mack, who I have been touting as the glue of that offensive line. He had a little bit of an ankle injury. Um, he's not going to practice all week, um, but obviously those guys will play on the Patriots side. The one thing I would uh, want to point out, they've revealed that the Black Unicorn has been playing for the last few months with a cracked bone in his ankle. He's obviously going to play as well. Rocks, you think, um, are there any injuries you want to talk about? Any early looks at how this might impact the game? Or, I mean, Julio's obviously they're going to tore all them up, right? Yeah, I think he's going to be fine. I think Alex Mack, you know, who, who did come back into the game after he suffered what looked like it could have been a really serious injury, came back. But, you know, I wonder, you're bringing up the, the Martellus Bennett black unicorn injury. That was not something that ever showed up on the injury report. Uh, correct Yo, me if I'm wrong. Listen, listen, listen. I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Rox, because we got to get into this. We'll talk about the black unicorn as an example. Remember last week how Richard Sherman and, uh, you know, they, the uh, Carol admitted that he had this. This MCL a serious, injury. a serious you know, MCL injury. Had, but it wasn't on. But it wasn't on the injury report. So thus, maybe they're getting docked a second round pick. Well, I am very, very intrigued that this week a team that was eliminated was the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we found out after that game that the Pittsburgh Steelers knew yep. about Le'Veon Bell's groin injury before yep. that. Mike Tomlin this week was very careful about the words that he used to describe the injury with Le'Veon. Bell, very, he was very cautious to say that it was not significant. That's the exact same verbiage that le, uh, that reads in the league rules about it being like a violation. So I don't know what the Patriots did or did not say with Martellus Bennett. My guess would be that they followed the rules but did not disclose much information. What do you think? Because now they, the NFL has dug themselves a kind of a hole here. They now kind of, if they're going to punish the uh, Seahawks, they kind of have to punish the Steelers also. Do they really want to get into this? Uh, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that I, I think that there needs to be parity, and it's one of the things the NFL has always struggled with. I also think that having these kind of hard and fast rules with things that maybe it's it's something that a player says to a coach after they're eliminated. You know, man, my knee has really been jacked up for the last, you know, last eight weeks. Not if they say they knew about it. Yeah, that's a fair point, but you also, you know, some of these coaches, uh, they do a little bit of coach speak, and sometimes I feel like they get caught out there just kind of trying to be a little bit innocuous. I think the Pete Carroll thing with Richard Sherman is a little bit of a bigger deal because he was not nearly as guarded in his comments. Um, and I just also think it's it's one thing that the Patriots, you mentioned, maybe going by the letter of the law, but they've forever been playing games with the injury report more so than any team in the league. You've actually seen a lot of other teams who've not nearly come close to matching the Patriots' success 
success, try to kind of imitate what they do, listing a million guys as it used to be questionable. Now it's maybe as probable uh, or limited in practice, uh, you know, the, the practice portion of practice that's open to the media. So to me, I mean, it's really the people that lose in this situation is the uh, fantasy sports players. And that's our audience here. And the American betting public uh, who, who's out there trying to make these decisions based on all the available information and come to find out that the information that we're getting is incomplete, if not downright misleading. So it's just another issue that Roger Goodell, I'd say, is, is failed to show a consistent approach to and has failed to show leadership on. Okay, okay. We move from one Pittsburgh Steelers running back in Le'Veon Bell to an underreported story that I think could be interesting. Hey, Rocks, you remember Carlos Williams? Well, it seems like Pittsburgh Steelers have signed Carlos Williams to a deal for next year, which I think is very, very interesting, and here's why. Um, if you remember... The Pittsburgh Steelers had not one but two different games when Chris Boswell had six field goals and they said that they could and they struggled in the red zone. Carlos Williams is the kind of back who could really actually help them in that kind of red zone goal line situation. Remember, he blew up to whatever it was, 265 pounds as a, uh, you know, eating bonbons with empathy pains with his pregnant girlfriend or whatever it was. And then there was some definitely some other things going on as well. But I think this is underreported. Could this be the, uh, the exact elixir the Steelers might need with D'Angelo Williams not getting any younger for next year? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because Carlos Williams, he did score seven touchdowns as a rookie on the Bills in 2015, was entirely out of the league last year, blew up, and then he got suspended. I think he's actually going to be suspended for the first two games of the season. Yep. I think that this is more maybe insurance for D'Angelo Williams. But the thing is, if I am the Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't want two knucklehead running backs on my roster at they the same time. They could both be suspended. You never know. Yeah, you know, I mean, you might see a, you might see another one of those, uh, you know, uh, LeGarrette Blunt situations where they're popped together even. So, you know, it's certainly an in- it's interesting. He obviously has the skills to play in the NFL. The issue is really is his head screwed on straight. But he is, you know, he is a guy that looks like he's got a nose for the goal line. And yeah. while Le'Veon Bell has been completely dominant, you certainly can't ignore that the Steelers as a team excel at scoring long touchdowns but have struggled in that red zone, particularly, as you said, when it counted the most. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I also, though, would not be at all surprised if he flamed out in camp uh, or just showed up overweight again. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if his girlfriend had the baby or not, but, uh, you know, I bet that there's plenty of plenty of women who'd be happy to, to, to eat some bonbons with him in the offseason. Yeah, yo. Uh, as we keep it moving here, Rox, you know what else is happening in this off week between uh, the championship games and the Super Bowl? It's see, it is one once again legal for uh, coaches on these teams to have interviews and in the worst kept secret in the NFL Kyle Shanahan will have his second interview with the only team left to fill their head coaching situation the San Francisco 49ers I've been saying it both here on the Fantasy Freestyle and on Shot Callers on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network that Kyle Shanahan was the fit for the San Francisco 49ers I like that job originally because they were going to maybe be able to come in with a GM, but now it looks like Kyle Shanahan is just going to be the guy even before his duties with the Atlanta Falcons going into Super Bowl 51. He is going to have his second interview with the Niners this weekend. That's a call shot for speed since that decision, but what I find interesting, Rocks, that I want to get your take on is we've also getting reports that the 49ers may be someone who quote-unquote goes hard 
after Kirk Cousins if by any way, shape, or form he becomes out there, right? And it, I just think this is important to know because Kyle Shanahan did have him as their offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach with the Washington football team and basically has developed Cousins into something that now Washington likes because they now like that. See any possible connecting of the dots here, Rocks? It's it's certainly interesting. I think that the, the Washington football team is definitely saying that they're open to a long-term deal with Kirk Cousins. They've also indicated that in an absolute worst-case scenario that they uh, that they might just tag him again. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, you know, hey, who is he to turn down $24 million? I, I don't know. If I'm Kyle Shanahan, though... I'm just not sure. Going from a team that has a winning culture, you know, going from a team that that will at the very least be competing in the Super Bowl to a completely dysfunctional 49ers organization. And, and, you know, in Jed York, the CEO of the 49ers, he's really not someone who has a very good reputation. Um, You know, Arthur Blank seems like a pretty well-liked guy out there in Atlanta. You know, I'm not really sure if that's, if this is as much of a done deal. I mean, it's certainly one of those where there's smoke, there's fire. And it's been happening all offseason, but if I was Kyle Shanahan, you know, every once in a while it pays to wait a few more years before you get your feet wet and, and try and take on one of these big rebuilding efforts because it can really damage your reputation in the league for years to come. I don't know. We Do I smell a gentleman's bet, rocks? Ah, uh, you know, I mean, uh, he, I'm, I'm going to need some sort of prop odds here because he definitely is the odds-on favorite. And, and I'll give you it, two it, props. I'll give you two props. You give me one prop. Two to one odds. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Kyle Shanahan, don't do it. All don't right, do that's it. a gentleman's bet. Yo, Rock, interestingly enough, let's. Uh, you know what? Do, if, do you think he is more or less likely to go somewhere else if they win or lose the game? I think he's more likely to jump ship if they win because uh, then he will he will always have on his resume business. he'll always have on his resume that he was uh, you know he he was the the OC on the Super Bowl winning Atlanta Falcons offense and you know we may well be looking at peak Matt Ryan right now and that's what he'll always be remembered for um, whereas if they lose he's you know he's going to be in a good situation next business. year exactly and sure. uh, you know I, I, hey I, there's worse things you could do than come back to an offense that's got Julio Jones Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman with Matt Ryan uh, playing quarterback. No doubt, yo. When we come back on the Fantasy Freestyle, hey, Rocks, we're really excited because one of our biggest listeners, we had a chance to interview, he's been listening to the Fantasy Freestyle for a while now and did pretty good. We're going to find out if we were, in fact, the key to his success and more, a little bit more when we come back. Then later on, we're going to do our flagship segment. This time, we're doing a season awards for the wide receiver position. Rocks and Speeds will be dropping stats over beats about the wide receiver position, letting you know who are diamonds, who are game flow genius, and who are our fantasy fugazis. Forget about them. Yo, that's what's going to happen. We got Matty G in the building when we come back, dropping stats over beats. It's the Fantasy Freestyle on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. <laughs> Mantle full of trophies. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. Yeah, you know what it is. This is uh, Rocks and Steve dropping stats over beats. It's the Fantasy Freestyle on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, Rocks, check this out. We got a big-time interview we're about to have. If you listen to the Fantasy Freestyle, over the course of the last few years, you've heard Maddie G ask mad questions in the mailbag. And, Rocks, we've been holding that cat down, right? 
yeah, one of the earliest proponents, one of the earliest supporters. I think the first person actually to hit us on the, on uh, the, on the Gmail account at Maybe. fantasyfreestyle at gmail.com. At least one of the one of the first people outside of that Nigerian prince scammer is asking us for some tips that he could use in his local league to win that cash. Exactly. And so, yo, in this time we don't have in between now and the Super Bowl, we wanted to have Maddie on and be able to come on and talk about the fantasy freestyle, talk about what we did for him to win his league and win that cash. And we are happy and honored to have Matty Green with us right now. Say what's up to the people, Matt. Yo, what's going on out there, fantasy freestyle people? I have fallen all the way down the rabbit hole. I'm gone from listening to being on the podcast. Yes. So I hope I don't zone out and listen to you guys talking and actually answer the questions that you have. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yo, so let's find out real quick. Let's get into it here, Maddie. Um, let me ask you this. How'd you do this year? This is what I want to know. Are we an accountable source of information or not? Tell us a little bit about your league that you were in this, this year. Yo, Speeds, we won that cash overall. So so in an in a Apex League, $785 take home on a $100 entry fee. There it is. Uh, Hello, you play to win the game. All right, all right. Big time coming in on, on just the draft strategies that you guys had. The league I've been running for myself for the last 16 years finished just four points short. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes you go against Charles Clay and Taylor Gabriel, and they put up a billion points on you, and and, and there's nothing you can do about that. I hate, but I hate when that happens. I hate when that happens. But the fact that you get there, and again, it's that regular season that you guys are talking about. It's about getting there and being in the playoffs. And then, you know what? You're going to get into that final four, and then you know luck is going to have a little bit to do with it. Injuries are going to have a little bit to do with it. But it's yep. about getting there. And because of you guys, all four of my leagues, I made the playoffs, even the one I drafted Todd Gurley in. Oh, shout man. to that. Shout to that. So you mentioned Todd Gurley. Obviously, he was uh, he was someone that has to be characterized as a draft bust. Who are a couple of guys across your leagues that uh, that you, you may have wound up on and for more than one team? And if there was any one player that really maybe uh, made a difference for you, maybe a late round sleeper, a diamond in the rough that you grabbed that really helped put you over the top. Shout those guys out. You know, there's a lot of guys that come in and it's, I think it's not even just the late round like picks there. One that comes to mind definitely though is Spencer Ware. Yeah, my man Spencer Ware. You guys are talking about Jamal Charles and, and and Spencer Ware. If you went back to the year before, the playoff run that he did for those Chiefs, he stood out there moving against the old, the, the shark there, Charkandrick West. So I was grabbing him in a lot of leagues when people were jumping on Jamal Charles. And again, he petered out a little bit in the playoffs, but overall for the season, he's a big reason that three of my teams did end up getting in the playoffs because I got these deep leagues where you're starting three running backs in some of them, yeah. two in a flex. So yeah. having that running back that you can rely on for the touches made a huge difference. Absolutely. And if you can get a guy like Spencer Ware who could serve as your, say, RB2, you're good to go in really deep leagues. Let me ask you this, uh, Maddie. You know, one of the things that we try to pride ourselves here on the Fantasy Freestyle is that we drop stats over beats. How does, uh, is that part of why you're listening to the podcast? Text me, are you a hip-hop fan? Uh, what kind of beats are we putting out there that you're bobbing your head to, huh? Well, look, man, I grew up in the Bronx, and I, I, I was class of 94, Mount St. Michael Academy, so okay. like, you know, it's the birthplace of hip-hop, man. The one that stood out the most is when you guys did uh, Know the Ledge, Eric B. and Rakim. That was one of my favorite uh, songs of all time. Nice. And uh, and hearing that on here, and just, just all the different, you know, Biggie and, and, and Dre and Snoop and all of those just classics from, you know, days gone by for me, someone who, again, would be classified as an OG at this point. So 
Um, you know that, but no, but know the legend, one of my all-time favorites. And I heard that on one of the initial podcasts I heard you guys do, and and from then on, you know, you guys had me locked in. What a great world it would be right now if Eric B was actually president. Hello. <laughs> one, sure. one other thing I wanted to ask you real quick along those same lines is we talked a lot about different draft strategies. Did you follow, you know, an overall draft strategy plan, you know, whether it was staying true to your board, trying to lock down a, an RB1, or did you have, do you have a general strategy or did you just kind of just take what the room gave you in your leagues this season? You know, again, one of the things you guys do definitely talk about is knowing your rules. And the thing I love about the four different leagues is, is the different rules that were going on there. Yes. Um, but yeah, is. absolutely. You know, something I wanted to definitely wait on was a quarterback. And uh, in years past, I, I, I've been the type that, that kind of wanted that, that, you know, like uh, I think like Speed says, you know, set it and forget it. Um, you know, I like to have that. But this year, you know, I, you look over the stats and you hear what you guys are talking about. And, and waiting on the quarterback is something that uh, definitely made a difference by stacking those running backs and wide receivers, especially now with back in the day, it wasn't always PPR. Now, everywhere you look, PPR, half-point PPR, these are things that are there, and, yeah. and you have to take that into account when you're drafting. Hey, are you playing any uh, daily fantasy also? You know, Maddie, what else are you getting into in, fan- in, in football? Are you playing fantasy baseball also? Uh, what oh, fantasy are- baseball, man. Fantasy baseball is is probably something I know even better than the fantasy football side okay. of things. Okay, okay. I, I dipped my toe in the in the in the, uh, in the daily fantasy, but when all of that information came out about the shark, I'm an old school poker player, and the last thing I thought I wanted to be going it got against, shut against down. Beyond. It got shut and, down though. Those sites, <laughs> yeah. like the poker games. Exactly. Oh man, they took away my bread and butter. I was paying the rent a little bit there, man, and then the, <laughs> and then the world got a lot smaller after all that went down. Um, so I mean, I, I listen to you guys talk about daily fantasy. I think you know maybe next year I want to jump in. I know you guys have those uh, those leagues going right now, and I sure. think that's something that I, I'm going to probably give a try to. And uh, you know, you need your guys' advice though to help me get through that. No, absolutely. we got you. We got we will you. We'll be holding you down for sure. Hey, yo, I just got a couple more questions for you, man. And once again, thanks so much for coming on this edition of the Fantasy Freestyle and help us drop stats over beats. We love when our listeners come on. You could always holler at us at Fantasy. Freestyle at Gmail. You can get us on the Fantasy Freestyle on Twitter. Leave off the last E. We don't make any errors on the Fantasy Freestyle. Um, later on in our episode, we're going to be doing our diamonds and our fugazis for the wide receiver position. Hey, Matt, you obviously know what you're talking about. You listen to us after all. Who would be your diamond and your fugazi at the wide receiver position for this last season? Got to start off with uh, the the biggest fugazi I had. So in my in my two quarterback league where we start four wide receivers, there I am sitting there. There's been there's some keepers that were involved in that too, but I'm sitting there looking at uh, Keenan Allen and Lev Bell. PPR, I went with Keenan Allen. So oh. Keenan Allen. And he in that first half, what did he have? Like eight catches already? I, was I like, know oh, Rocks knows. Rocks, I know you know about year. that. Uh, it was gonna be a big year. I I lost a couple leagues on the strength of Keenan Allen being my my first round pick late in the first round. Uh, I, I, I hope he uh, I hope he comes back stronger than ever this year. But he did give uh, he did give uh, Tyrell Williams, who I might be talking about a little bit later, a chance to shine in that San Diego offense. And on the plus side, there, who was someone that shined for you that you maybe have gotten at a later round? Someone that maybe uh, the rest of your opponents overlooked in uh, at the wide receiver position. Well, again, this was a little bit more on the, on the luck side of things. Is that I've had Julio Jones as a keeper and a huge value on that one. So sure. you know, watching him this year finally stay healthy for the most part. 
Um, and, and obviously you see what he's done in the playoffs so far. Uh, you know, he's somebody there. And again, strategy-wise and, and, and thinking in these other deeper leagues where there's keepers involved and things like that, drafting late and getting guys that you might be able to grab with value and then watching them shine forever after that. Like David Johnson's another example of that. Mm-hmm. Someone I drafted late the year before, all of a sudden he comes around as a keeper oh, and I, I, I didn't even need to look at his stat line because I knew what it was going to be every week. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, yo, Matty, uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. We really, really appreciate it. It uh, it sounds like uh, we may need to come back to you as we set, get ready for the baseball season, huh? You, uh, you big, big fantasy baseball. You got any early thoughts about the baseball season? Because, uh, you know, it turns over real quick. Pitchers and catchers are about to report. You like? Uh, do you like focusing on power? Do you like focusing on getting your starting pitchers? What do you think about starting pitchers? in this day and age of Tommy John surgeries. Wait, wait, and then wait some more on those starting pitchers. Now, I under, I can definitely subscribe to the idea, depending on, again, if you're doing head-to-head, are you doing points, are you doing roto, of grabbing that one stud early on. But you're looking at man, eight or nine rounds, one, maybe two starting pitchers at most. Fill up all those position guys that you know are going to roll out there every day and avoid the guys whose arms are going to fall off. Make I'm going to ask you one more quick baseball question. Uh, Brian Dozier, first round pick? (laughs) 40-something home runs. chance. (laughs) No way. No way. Look at that first half that he had last year before he exploded there. You never know what type of slow start he's going to get into in the uh, out there at the target field. I like that. Matty G telling everybody about the recency bias. Don't overreact. And certainly hitting some of those main fantasy freestyle mantras on the football side to know your settings and to certainly wait on the quarterback position while you stack those running backs and those wide receivers. Yo, Matty, thank you very much for listening. We really do truly appreciate it. And thank you so much for coming on the show and representing. Yo, me and Speeds are going to be back in a little while to break down our game flow geniuses, diamonds in the rough, and more fugazis at the wide receiver position. But we're not going to forget about you. We're going to be holding you down all baseball season long, and we'd love to have you back on the show in the near future. Can't wait to come back down here in the rabbit hole one more time. Hey, yo, Matt, just before you go, can we get you to say uh, forget about it? Forget about it, fugazi. (laughs) (laughs) Dropping stats over beats. It's the Fantasy Freestyle. That's a fugazi. How do you know it's a fugazi? You looked at it for two seconds. It's a fake. Yeah, I know what a fugazi is. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Yo, what's good, y'all? It's your boy Rox here with my man Speeds on the Fantasy Freestyle on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're going to continue a segment we've been doing for the last couple of weeks where we break down the year-end performances at the positions through the lens of our superlatives. That's the Diamonds in the Rough, Fantasy Fugazis, and Game Flow Geniuses. And we are now on the wide receiver position. We saved the best for last. Because if you were listening to Rocks and Speeds in the offseason, you know that we were constantly telling you, particularly in PPR leagues, particularly in leagues that start three wide receivers and have a flex, that you're going to be a step up on the competition if you hit that wide receiver position early and often and me and speeds did that 
and we hit it hard. You just heard from Matty G talking about how Julio Jones helped win him some leagues, and I just want to say the top three wide receivers who were widely regarded as the top tier at the position, Antonio Brown did nothing other than finish as the number one overall wide receiver in PPR for the third year in a row. That's what you wanted. Odell Beckham, despite all the histrionics, despite all the complaining, despite the funny hair, was the number four wide receiver overall in PPR leagues. That's what you paid for. That's what you wanted. Julio Jones, Julio Jones even hobbled at the end of the season, missing some games, waiting for that playoff push where he's absolutely exploded, destroying the Green Bay Packers secondary last week. He finished as the number six overall wide receiver. In only playing 14 games to do so. Which is incredible. And there's just simply a lower bust rate at the wide receiver position than a lot of those other positions, particularly running back, where you might want to, you might be tempted to use an early, early, early first round pick on a stud running back only to see him be a Fugazi. That's not to say, however, that top tier wide receivers were completely immune to being Fugazis. And we're going to get into that in a bit. But Speeds, I know you and I were all over the wide receiver position in the preseason, sharing our rankings, telling people to know their settings as if they were in those PPR leagues, those half PPR leagues, to hit them early and also pointing out guys that we thought were going to pop, pop off. So let's start with the diamonds. Who were a couple of diamonds in the rough for you at the wide receiver position that helped teams win their leagues in 2016? Yo, for sure. Uh, One diamond I got to give you right off the bat was my man TP3 Terrell Pryor and you know I've I want to give a shout out to this guy anyway because, you know, he fully embraced the change to the wide receiver position. And he did so in a big way. This guy wound up wide receiver 19, wound up over 1,000 receiving yards, 1,007 receiving yards, 77 catches, and four touchdowns. And really, to be quite honest, was the only bright spot of the Cleveland Browns all season long. They are now actually saying, out there in Cleveland that they are likely to franchise tag Terrell Pryor, which means, guess what? He gonna get paid one way or the other. So so shout out to Terrell Pryor because he changed positions, embraced it, had a great season, and I know if you drafted him, you didn't draft him to be your wide receiver too, but look what you found, an actual wide receiver too that went to Ohio State. You don't actually get many of those except for another diamond that I know you may want to talk about from your New Orleans Saints a little bit later on, Rocks. But uh, my first diamond at the wide receiver position, Terrell Pryor Sr. Yeah, man, Terrell Pryor was an early member of the transition team this season, making that switch from quarterback to wide receiver and doing well. As you said correctly, my diamond in the rough, my first one is a wide receiver at a OSU, and he was actually a second-round pick that the Saints made sure they could secure. Of course, I am talking about Michael Thomas. He was one of two Saints wide receivers in the top 10 in PPR leagues. I was actually not that high on Michael Thomas going into the season only because I thought that Willie Sneed was not going to uh, give up that number two wide receiver role for a while. I had higher hopes uh, for Kobe Fleener than he actually wound up with, but boy was I wrong. In only 15 games, Michael Thomas posted a 92 
catch season. He wound up over 1,100 yards, and he scored nine touchdowns. That was good for the seventh overall in PPR, and he was far and away the best of the rookie class in year one. He was so consistent. His only bad game was one against Denver where he fumbled the ball twice, but he showed maturity. He earned Drew Brees' trust at a time when other people who've been in the league, like Kobe Fleener, could not. He was a playmaker. He had at least four catches for 40 yards in every game of the season, and that's a nice little floor. He also had two games with more than 10 catches and two other games with two touchdowns, showing that nice high ceiling. He was a threat in the red zone, and unlike Brandon Cooks, he was actually slightly more effective on the road than he was in the dome. All of that is not bad at all for a wide receiver that Yahoo had ranked 53 in their preseason PPR settings. I don't know, Speeds. I'm going to ask you real quick. Michael Thomas, legit wide receiver number one in drafts next season? Listen, I think um, maybe, but we have so far to go until next season, and I actually think the New Orleans Saints could be a team in some flux. I don't know exactly what role he will be playing on that offense. I don't know what's going to be around him. He definitely has the talent, and if you assume that there's, you know, if he's the guy who's going to get the majority of, if it's Drew Brees' 5,000 yards, then sure, but uh, they're not necessarily a team I want to uh, project too far into the future in uh, with uh, some of the guys they still have. But yeah, I mean, the talent is there, and he's a trusted red zone target that than, like you said, Kobe Fleener. So he's definitely uh, on the cusp there, wide out one two. No doubt, no doubt. I'm going to keep it moving. My second diamond is actually uh, from the other duo in the league that had two wide receivers in the top 10 PPR. I kind of considered going with Jordy here because he just really came back and put it in everyone's eye. But comeback instead, player I'm going, of the year. I'm going, oh, easy. Fantasy easy comeback and player of the year. I'm going with Devontae Adams here, though. Adams and Jordy Nelson, like I said, second duo in the top 10. And no one saw this coming for Devontae Adams. He had a horrible 2015. Really, like, they needed him to step up with Jordy out, and he did absolutely nothing. You know, the offense was in shambles. Aaron Rodgers couldn't seem to get into as much of a rhythm as he had been in years past. And Devontae Adams' inability to step up was as much of a reason. I was shocked when they even said that they were going to give him a blank slate going into the offseason. And you know what? He came through in a big, big way. 75 catches, 1,000 yards, and 12 touchdowns. He was rated the 68th overall wide receiver by Yahoo in the preseason in PPR. And he popped off as the number nine. He was undrafted in most leagues. And it took a while for him to get there with the yards and the catches. But he showed us a little glimpse of that potential early in the season, scoring two touchdowns touchdowns in the first three weeks and he was a reliable TD scorer all year long. He had three two touchdown games which is really really awesome for his ceiling and he also went over 10 catches twice back to back weeks in the middle of the season. He earned Aaron Rodgers trust and you could tell that in the playoffs. Went down the stretch he had two touchdown catches in the three playoff games. He was a difference maker on the team and whether you picked him up early after he started popping those touchdowns or whether you happened to snag him in drafts or hold on to him for just one more year in a keeper or dynasty leagues. What you wound up with was a fantasy difference maker who was a diamond in the rough.
Hey, yo, Speech, who else shined for you this season? For sure, yo. And, yo, remember, we just had Matty Green on with us before in the last segment. And he mentioned that his Fugazi was uh, Keenan Allen, right? And so one man's, uh, one man's trash is another man's opportunity. There's a very, very, uh, you know, commonly used phrase in the NFL, which is like next man up. And in that situation where Keenan Allen was the Fugazi, if you happen to have a top waiver priority after week, one of the NFL season, you might have been able to grab the wide receiver, I believe 18 or 19 or 20 in the NFL in fantasy this year. And that was out of San Diego. Now the LA Chargers, Tyrell Williams. This is a guy who was also over a thousand yards receiving 10... 1059 got seven touchdowns. This guy evolved into Philip Rivers' big play threat. There were a number of games this year where Tyrell Williams was the guy deep. And to be quite honest, I don't think that role changes even if Keenan Allen is back next year. These guys now moving to Los Angeles, I think that offense predicated with Melvin Gordon coming back, Keenan Allen coming back, albeit a declining Philip Rivers, I think Tyrell Williams becomes a very important weapon no matter what and I see Tyrell Williams uh, even with Keenan Allen as a, a low wideout two, high wideout three next season and he was a diamond in the rough for me because you wouldn't have thought it. I remember early in the season at week one my boy Frankie Stanfield on Fantasy First Look also on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. They did a whole uh, kind of like game on a segment like which Chargers receiver will it be to step up and they were talking about Benjamin and and, and Tyrell Williams, and there, there was a actual conversation in week one about who would it be that would come up in this situation. So if you thought it was Tyrell Williams and grabbed him early, he probably helped you win your league and win that cash. Yo, Speeds, I agree with you 100%. And this was a guy who was undrafted coming into his second year after he did basically nothing. And, you know, this is a guy, you had him as a diamond. He was someone I was going to shout out uh, as a game flow genius because the Chargers were trailing a lot. And the Chargers also played a lot of back and forth in the fourth quarter of the season. Seemed to wind up always losing. But, you know, he had 40 catches for 600 yards and four touchdowns in the second half. So he was also a guy, if you thought the Chargers might be down big, you could probably predict with a pretty high degree of certainty when he was going to pop, pop, pop off. Uh, moving from the diamonds to the game flow geniuses, you know, at the wide receiver position, it's so easy sometimes to rack up a lot of catches, a lot of points late in games when you're down big playing against a prevent defense. And it's also sometimes, you know, when you've got a quarterback who just loves to chuck it up and maybe the running game is not working, you know, you can maybe start to predict some of those targets and particularly in daily fantasy, try to profit from that. Are there a couple people that, that you kind of feel like season long were game flow geniuses and maybe really made a difference as far as that's concerned based on the game flow? Uh, Sure, but I'm going to go in one way that you would not expect because as you were saying, Rox, when you say game flow, you think about these teams that are throwing the ball. You might even remember previously I was talking about these different types of offenses, you know, my man Jim Bob Cooter. But for my first game flow genius, I'm going to go away you do not think, and that is my man Tyreek Hill. The game flow of the Kansas City Chiefs made Tyreek Hill a game flow genius. This is a guy who 
who was used in bubble screens and tunnel screens. This was a guy who was in the backfield on running plays, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs game flow. This was a guy who was, you know, taking wildcat snaps. And the game flow, you never think about it, but the game flow also involves the special teams. And Tyreek Hill is not only my game flow genius at the wide receiver position, but has to be the fantasy MVP as it relates to special teams for this season with three return touchdowns. So in a weird way, he could get you the running touchdowns, the receiving touchdowns, and the return touchdowns. And sometimes your game flow for your fantasy teams needs that extra juice of energy. And Tyreek Hill was the man to do it. Finishing at wide receiver 17 overall, Tyreek Hill, odd game flow genius. But these days, those game flows be odd. Shining city on a hill, I call him. Uh, one of the guys that I want to talk about, and you know, he's maybe someone who a lot of people thought was going to take a step back, uh, take a step forward this season, reclaim his rightful spot among the best wide receivers in the league. But uh, Mike Evans really came through in a huge way this season, and a lot of that was damage that was done in the second half when a Buccaneers team that was a little bit uneven, the defense maybe didn't take as much of a step forward as a lot of people had thought that they would. They were still a good team overall faded down the stretch, but man, did Jameis Winston lock onto Mike Evans in the second half and when that team was trailing. Let me just shout out his stats. His stats overall were obviously ridiculous. He wound up with over 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns, but he wound up with 728 yards in the second half. Seven touchdowns in the second half. My man had 94 targets in the second half of games. And particularly when the going got tough, Jameis looked to Mike Evans. And he's someone who really has now two incredible seasons in his first three in the league. He's a guy that I think is poised to wind up with a wide receiver one overall finish one of these years. And it may even be next year. He's going to be a really interesting player for me to watch. Particularly, is he wide out four for you next year behind Antonio Odell and Julio? Ah, uh, you know he's definitely he's definitely in the conversation. You're hearing a lot about Tampa maybe uh, releasing Doug Martin, which is me something I said right. before the season started. Uh, I could see him just as easily flaming out as, as having another great year. It's it's interesting to see right, how so, they address so let me ask you this. the running position and. Let me ask you this: You're late. You're late first round, right? And you can have Mike Evans or Jordy Nelson. Who are you drafting? Uh it's pretty difficult, but I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to go with Mike Evans, a player that's on okay. the upside. Uh, you know, Jordy's you take got Mike a little Evans bit or Ty Hilton. Wait on the Colts' offense once. Shame on me. Wait on the Colts offense twice. I lost my league. I'm going to go with Mike Evans. Mike Evans or your boy, Michael Thomas. Mike Evans, definitely. I mean, I think Mike Evans just has, has Drew Brees is a uh, good quarterback. Jameis Winston is learning how to be a good quarterback. So Brees is never like going to lock onto one receiver the same way that like Jameis sits, is going to uh, lock onto Mike Evans. It sounds like he sits wide receiver five or six for you. 
But that's a lot of that was dependent on game flow. You got another game flow genius you could shout out for the good folks. For sure. My, my last game flow genius, and you know it's just a way for me to wind up saying Jim Bob Cooter on yet another fantasy freestyle episode. But I'm gonna go with the Golden streak continues. Tate. I'm gonna go with Golden Tate. Let me tell you something. Golden Tate like continues to uh, be a solid pass catching option. Listen, another season, 91 catches, 1,077 yards, 135 targets. This guy was wide receiver 16, a solid wide receiver too. And why is he my game flow genius? If you don't know by now, your ass better call somebody because you know I'm telling you about Jim Bob Cooter's offense, which is predicated on throw, throw, throw. At the end of the season, they had Zach Zenner running the ball in between the tackles. They tried to start off with Amir Abdullah running the ball in between tackles. They had Justin Forsett trying to run the ball in between tackles at some point this season. This is a team that was continuing to throw the ball, and I specifically said at the beginning of the season, it was a good thing that they didn't have Megatron there to suck all the air out of the room, and that just allowed Golden Tate to even take a little bit of a step forward and be my game flow genius. But rocks. We always have to do this. We have to end with our fugazis, rocks. So who did you look a little bit deeper and see the flaws this season? Who do the people at the wide receiver, even though we go hard on them, who do we need to downgrade for next year? Because when we look deeper, we found out that they were a fugazi. Forget about them. Oh man, I wish uh, I, I wish I, I wish I knew then what I know now. Oh, you know. Too old, too fast, too smart, too late. Uh, you know, we talked. Uh, I believe I, I said that the the New, the the New York Jets offense had a bunch of uh, great options, but they didn't have any tertiary options. And uh, it turned out that they, after Eric Decker went down, didn't even really have any wide receiver that could be counted on. Uh, in one of my leagues, I was way too late to quit on Brandon Marshall when all the writing was on the wall. Brandon Marshall had a terrible, terrible season. 59 catches, less than 800 yards, and only three touchdowns, which just boggles the mind. All lows since his rookie year of 2006. Played in every game except for Week 17. He was banged up a bit, but this is someone who a lot of people thought was going to blow up even more when Eric Decker was no longer healthy to take those targets. What really happened was defenses were able to key key in on him a lot more, and a combination of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Geno Smith, uh, I, I think Ryan Leaf threw a couple passes for the Jets this year, were simply not able to get him the ball the same way that they were last year. He wound up finishing as the number 49 wide receiver in PPR. He was number eight in Yahoo preseason. I also had him not only as a top 10 wide receiver, but as a late, late, late round, uh, late first round pick. I had him in a couple of leagues. I did not win those leagues. It's, he's an interesting case going into the offseason speeds. I'm going to ask you real quick. He's got a pretty reasonable contract. You know, he's 33. I, I don't see the Jets necessarily making moves next year. Do they keep him around or do they cut him? No, I think they're going to wind up keeping him around. Uh, they're going to wind up after that locker room battle. I think it's Sheldon Richardson who is actually going to go there. Rocks, another wide receiver that you were uh, really 
really, really high on. In fact, was in that position that you just recently put uh, Mike Evans in. The guy who was in that position last year, he actually unfortunately fell all the way to wide receiver 25, and that is AR-15, Allen Robinson, and he is my number one fugazi at the wide receiver position. I agreed with you. I thought he was a first-round pick. We saw what happened with that Jacksonville team. We thought they were going to be a team on the rise. It turns out they were not, and they did not even get any of that good garbage time like they did last year. They got, it did when it related to Blake Bortles, not so much with Allen Robinson. They did not have the chemistry, and I'll tell you what, this new coach, Doug Marone, when he came in, even on an interim basis, he ran the ball that did open it up a little bit, so I'm excited to see maybe what happens, but he's going to be still attached to Bortles' surface, so I'm uh, proceeding with caution for uh, AR-15, Allen Robinson, so in my mind, Fugazi, forget about him. Who else you got as a Fugazi rocks? I'm gonna do. A, I'm gonna do a quick two for one for our listeners. The second one is free. You only pay one price. I'm going with a couple of Arizona Cardinals wide receivers. First, Michael Floyd. Michael Floyd turned it on down the stretch in 2015. The Cardinals offense is explosive. He was in a contract year. However, he turned in a horrible campaign, culminating with him getting benched and then cut for drunk driving. He finishes a number 69 overall wide receiver in his contract year, and this season is basically gonna be known as his. Highlight was that block that sprung Julian Edelman late in the season while he was on the Patriots. Second, and this guy's got a better excuse, is his teammate John Smokey Brown. He was only the 75th overall wide receiver. People drafted him as an upside wide receiver three who may even creep into that wide receiver two combination. He had the sickle cell trait affecting his leg, so we'll give him a little bit of a pass. But suffice to say, if you were drafting any Arizona Cardinals wide receiver other than Larry Fitzgerald, you wound up with a Fugazi. Forget about it. For sure. My last Fugazi here as we wrap up this episode of the Fantasy Freestyle dropping stats over beats on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Last year, this guy was in very elite territory. He was part of that elite top tier and he unfortunately fell all the way down to wide receiver 27. We talked about him all season long and to be honest, we didn't even give him much of the blame. Most of the blame went to that noose around the franchise, Brock but unfortunately, DeAndre Hopkins went all the way down to wide receiver 27. And even there, in what everyone considers a Fugazi year, he still had 78 catches, 954 yards, and four tuds. But when you drafted him in the mid-first round, or when you thought he was going to be your locked and loaded wideout one, it did not prove to be true this season. So unfortunately, I love you, D-Hop, but this year, you were Fugazi. I will say, last note, Rocks, uh, one other wide receiver Remember how uh, I, early in the preseason, was saying Des Bryant was going to be a Fugazi all year. He finished wide receiver 39, one half of a point ahead of the illustrious Cameron Meredith. Uh, But, Rocks, we're going to be back next week, Super Bowl, right? We're going to have our dancing shoes break down all things Super Bowl 51. Yeah, man, we're gonna be we're gonna be um, we're maybe just gonna call some random people in Houston down in the phone book, see what they're thinking, see who they're with. You know, we know uh, I know a lot of Pats fans. Speed, do you know many? Do you know many Falcons fans? Uh, I know a couple people down in Atlanta, Dirty Birds. Maybe we can keep the streak of interviewing the fans on the Fantasy Freestyle continue once again. Huge shout out to Maddie Green for uh, joining us on this episode. Rocks and Speeds, as usual, holding you down to win your league and win that cash 
dropping stats over beats. It's the Fantasy Freestyle on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, Rock, say goodbye to the people. Yo, thanks for rocking with us all season long, and make sure you tune in next week when we take you home before that big game. Ha-ha! Super Bowl 51 next week. All Lady Gaga beats. You like that? You like that? Yeah.